What's everybody? Welcome back to Blurred Out. A new chapter just dropped, so we're gonna get started with the episode on that. We got One Piece chapter 1107. We're gonna be talking about Freyrin, and we're gonna be talking about Final Fantasy 7 and 16 today. And just a reminder, if you want to listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting sites, check the link below. On the link tree, we have all of the links to Google Podcasts, to Spotify, to Apple Podcasts, wherever you podcast at. Go ahead and find me there. And if you want a slightly more visual version of the podcast, check out the Blurred Out Podcast channel for that, if you're not already here. Of course, as with every chapter, if you have not caught up, there will be spoilers ahead. Oops. Spoilers. Now, the chapter starts off with Dory and Broggy pretty much commanding the rest of their crew to start wrecking havoc. And this is what I was talking about last chapter where the marines saw dory and broggy and they kind of made mention that basically they didn't think these pirates still existed now i was wondering if they meant the giants in general or the pirates i was guessing they meant the pirates because they obviously knew giants existed and they confirmed here that they pretty much just thought that the giant warrior pirates were extinct pretty much they disbanded what a hundred years ago so they were like they don't exist anymore and now they're seeing them all here again and you would think, honestly, that they wouldn't be too surprised considering that giants have crazy long lifespans. So even if they weren't like active, they would still be around and they're still going to be strong because they're giants. And we also see Oimi and Kashi, which is just a, a great flashback to everything, especially when Usopp ends up seeing everybody. So we have like the, the big stars of Elbaf here now. Or at least the ones we know for sure. The the person I was kind of hoping to see, I don't think showed up this chapter. Uh, Gerd? It's either Gerd or Gerth. I don't remember which was the, the official name. But she was one of the giant pirates in the, the cover story that we ended up seeing. But I don't think she showed up here. Either way, the giant pirates start wrecking havoc on land. They start tearing up all the ships. So basically the marines are dealing with the giant pirates on one side destroying all their ships and then they have the pacifists on the other side destroying all their ships so basically all the marines that are here are getting wiped out and there really isn't a whole lot they can do about it like i said before like giants can take out battleships with ease so they really don't care what you're gonna fire at them we get a nice scene of Usopp seeing everybody and then they they do the the recap that they did back in the reverie arc where they kind of just give us a really brief little panel catching us up to or at least reminding us because a lot of people were said to have started in Wano and kind of redhead so they're kind of giving us that reminder of where these people come from how we know them all that stuff and I wonder if this is going to be a really strong motivator for Usopp to do something crazy in this particular part of the arc you know, we expect Elbaf to be really strong for Usopp, but I think it'd be nice if he did something here before they leave Egghead that was really impressive. Like, I want him to show off in front of the giant pirates. I really want that. Now, Brooke and Lilith are still skating by on Thousand Sunny, and they're flying through the ice. They still don't have a way to stop. Now, based on what Lilith says, which is if they fly off the edge, they're going to be fried by the barrier. 
it means either two things that barrier is going to get destroyed before the sun gets to the edge which means it's just probably going to fly off into the water or someone's going to come in and stop the sunny now i don't dislike the idea of the barrier being destroyed just because that's what the marines have been trying to do ever since they got here they're trying to break down the barrier so they can actually lay waste to the rest of the island so if they break down the barrier just in time for the thousand sunny to like launch off i think that would make a lot of sense otherwise i'm not entirely sure how they're going to get these sunny to stop now it does sound like Lilith has a plan in mind so something's going to happen one way or another she's got something she's going to try at least but they don't really mention what that's going to be now Jimbei is still moving in towards the Zoro and Luchi fight and when we actually get to the fight they're still over here clashing and it doesn't seem as one-sided as people were making out to be whether it be on like Zoro's side or Luchi's side it's definitely just like them clashing and Luchi is just I mean he's being Luchi but he's he's talking some smack but this is kind of what he did in in this lobby where he he talks about he's basically using the rest of the crew as some kind of mental game where he's like oh yeah the rest of your crew is gonna suffer because you're here and that's what he did to luffy when he was fighting luffy he's like all right i'm gonna do this and the rest of your crew's gonna get messed up because you're staying here what you gonna do about that and i mean it doesn't work this time either Zoro is still seeing through it and Zoro mentions that he's in control of this fight I would like to see why he's holding it out this long because I think there's a reason that he hasn't like we don't have bandana Zoro we don't have three sword style Zoro I don't see a whole bunch of hockey clashes this is literally just like two people walking past each other clashing like there's no accelerated levels of fighting going on here and i really want to know why they're not going out at full strength back on the coast they used to have pacifista blowing up marine ships and they're they're actually doing damage to the pacifistas which is really crazy when you think about it like as far as i know these are just cannons and i would think it would take more than cannon fire to hurt a pacifista like we've seen i mean mostly pre-time skip not even gear second was really doing damage to a pacifista but even like as, as weak as i make kit out to be basically him shooting giant chunks of metal is more or less what this cannon is and that didn't do anything to a pacifista but these new models like these these egghead models are somehow getting dusted by cannonballs doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me maybe they got like hit with maybe they've just been bombarding this one with cannonballs for like an hour and it's finally down but that still doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me zipping back to the fight with saturn luffy and everyone else we get bonnie talking about how she's been looking for nico and Luffy obviously has no idea what she's talking about. He doesn't know any of the Sun God lore. He just knows gear fit. That's what this is to him. And he makes it a point to mock Bonnie's like flimsy gear third 
Nika-ish punch. And it's it's confirmed that she was trying to be like Nika. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much what we were told. But the the exact way she says, a big rubbery attack like you. So that's straight what she was going for was pretty much the idea of a Luffy attack. The only weird thing I say about that is maybe it's not, you know, definite, but I feel like she would have seen one of Luffy's punches before. Maybe she just hasn't seen a gear third punch, but it's so recognizable as Luffy's fighting style. That would be a really strong giveaway. And we got Sidon here still talking smack. Luffy finally realizing that Vegapunk got hit. So now he's going to go in on Saturn. And he starts laying down a Booming Dawn Gatling. So this is like the, the gear fifth hockey Gatling. You know, we got to have the evolutions with every gear. And Saturn just taking punches, taking damage. And he gets launched out of the area again. And at this point, I'm like when Saturn first powered up, I was like, okay, Saturn ain't to be messed with. But this is like the, I don't know, second or third time that he's been launched somewhere. That he's got beaten up and he's kind of just taking it. So I'm kind of like, are you, is there a limit to your powers? Do you have to like do everything you need to do and then fall back? Is there a reason you're not being as epic as you were when you first got here? Kind of want to see if there's more explanation on that. And I mean, by the end of the chapter, he doesn't seem too like worse for wear. Like he's not, you know, bending over proning or anything. He's just like, oh, geez, I got punched again. But I, I would like to see more performance from him. Because I mean, even here, he tries to to stop Luffy by using his his eyeball beams, whatever that is. But Luffy kind of just tanks that. Like it, it does damage. Like Luffy is coughing up blood from that. So that's. Whatever attack that is, it's bypass. It's not like a concussive attack because we know that doesn't really do damage to Luffy. It seems to be some kind of internal damage based on if he can see you. But Luffy eats that and keeps going, knocks him out. And Kizaru takes that time to step in and start aiming at Vegapunk. Now we get into some, some heavy agenda piece here because Sanji comes up and blocks the laser. And this, this is an impressive feat for Sanji. They even gave Kizaru a, a crazy face. Like, that's... I've never seen or thought Kizaru would look that way. That right there is going to fuel the Sanji agenda for such a long time that he got an admiral to make that face. And in the same chapter that Zoro hasn't won his fight yet, yeah, this, this is an agenda piece chapter through and through and honestly i was kind of hoping for sanji to have a better line than what he says and maybe it'll be better in the translation i mean i doubt it but he says light doesn't hold a candle to love and i was just like what who what Nick, do you do you love bonnie you just met bonnie that, that seems presumptuous and even frankie is just looking at it like it's some kind of crazy feat. I still think it has something to do with the footwear that Sanchi has on. But either way, it's, it's still impressive because he's he's moving in the way of the light beam. Like, that's a speed feat on its own. Now, 
Vecabunk says that if he really moves, he's going to end up dying. So they actually just leave, like, Frankie, Bonnie, Atlas. Everyone dips off, and it's just Luffy and Sanji versus Kizaru. Now, this is going to be an interesting fight. What I imagine is going to happen is that, one, it's not going to be a, a drawn fight. It's going to be a clash very similar to how Luchi and Zoro is going. But I'm guessing that this is just to buy time for Chopper to get here and apply some first aid to Vegapunk. And it's it's hilarious because like everyone left and you have Luffy and Sanji staring down Kizaru, but there's just Vegapunk in the back, like just out of it. <laughs> like they just left them on the ground. Mans is bleeding out, just suffering back there. Now we zoom on over to where Saturn got launched. And he's pushing off the rubble. Like I said, he's not really affected by anything. He kind of just ate that and moved on. But who do we have here stepping up? Honestly, I saw the foot and I thought it was Big Mom for a second. And I was really hyped. But it turns out it's just Canary and Devon. Which means the Blackbeard Pirates are officially on Egghead. We saw their ship moving towards it, but now they, they own land. And apparently this was part of their plan all along to what essentially is get a copy of Igorose. Because Katarina comes up, touches his leg, and says mission complete. Now, if I had to guess based on how her powers work and how Mr. Two's power work, she has to make contact with the person she wants to turn into. So she makes contact with Saturn's leg and she just says mission complete. So that means I'm pretty sure that means she can now turn into Saturn. And Menonger is also here who has been putting in work, might I say, like he he was part of the the pudding capture. He was part of the law fight. Bruh's here on Egghead now. Augur should be right hand man. Forget Burgess, get Shiryu, Augur. We, we put money in auger stocks. And I still stand by my statement where the Blackbeard Pirates are pretty much trash. But we got some golden gems here. Auger being one of those gems. I was not familiar with his game, but you know, I'm, I'm coming around to it. He might end up being the favorite. Not counting Aokiji because I don't fully put him in the Blackbeard crew. He's here for his own reasons. Out of pure Blackbeard pirates, I'm probably going to put I'm probably going to put Augur top one right now as far as the ones I like. Saturn recognizes Katarina, which is kind of cool because I like the idea of the level 6 prisoners being like just so infamous that even the Gorosei know who they are. So that means that she's actually nasty like she was doing some crazy stuff before she was on blackbeard's crew and he even mentions that he's surprised that she's a subordinate to someone like she's working under someone so she must have been out there calling shots but she says teach is special and saturn says as is his lineage so we're getting some blackbeard lore his lineage Now, this generally leans towards two things, either 
it's like a lineage of family or it's a lineage of uh, a bloodline or a type of people. Now, I don't think he necessarily carries like a, a buccaneer or a lunarian trait. I think it's more his lineage as in his family. I think he comes from a family with a special lineage. Now, this could just be referencing the, the D clan, but I think it's very specific to Blackbeard and who he is. Which would also point out, you know, why he could have multiple devil fruits, why Marcos said that his body makeup is different. I think all of that kind of comes together here in this statement. I have to suspect that they were given this information because when they first hired, when they first brought on Blackbeard as a Chichibukai, he was an unknown talent. They did it because he brought Ace and they were like, all right, give this guy a title. But now that he's saying he has a special lineage, it seems like they know more about him, which I would assume comes from the discussion with Shanks. When Shanks came and said, I need to talk to you about a certain pirate, I have a feeling he was talking about Blackbeard. And when that first happened, we kind of threw on the ideas of Luffy, of Blackbeard, and of a possible older character, say someone like that was on the Roger Pirates or on the Rocks Pirates. But I think we're kind of pointing towards a Blackbeard discussion. And it also makes sense because Emu had a Blackbeard poster at some point. So like it's all it's all coming together. It's all coming together. Now when he asks about what they plan to do with all this stuff that they've been gathering, because we know the Blackbeard Pirates have been moving. Like they're getting Poneglyphs, they're getting rubbings, they're taking land, they're getting delve roots. And Van Hunger says that their goal is to pretty much capture the world. Their goal is the world. Sekai. And that that's to me, I think that's bigger than Pirate King and One Piece. Now, I think those two things come along with the world, but Blackbeard's goal doesn't stop at finding the One Piece. He's looking at some world domination type stuff. And Saturn makes a, a quick jab at them, but Augur uses his power and warps away. And Saturn more or less just lets it go. Which I don't get why they keep just letting the Blackbeard pirates go. Like, they let them go at Marineford. They, they let them leave the island that Kano was pulling up. They really just start, all right, they're leaving. I'm sure that'll be okay. That couldn't possibly turn out bad for us. And we're going to want it to turn out bad for him. Like, you don't find it even the slightest bit suspicious that she walked up, touched your leg, and said mission complete. You don't want to check in on that at all. Like, this is, this is just more of the stuff where it's like, the Marines and the world government are a little incompetent. And so, Augur actually doesn't make it completely off the island, he just warps to a different location. And they start walking from there, so I'm wondering if there is, kind of like law, a stamina issue. Like, there's, there's obvious limitations to the fruit, and he even says he hasn't mastered it yet. But I'm wondering if, like, he can only go a certain distance, and then he has to recharge for a bit. And as they're walking, they ended up running into Caribou, which we've been waiting to see. We figured he was here doing something. It seems like 
or at least it gives good credence to the idea that he was the one that gave Luffy food and brought him to the the food creation tool. But now he's talking about joining the Blackbeard Pirates. Now he says that he's always dreamed of being on Blackbeard's crew, which I think doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know, we'll go with it. I don't know if we have an exact timeline of Urbu's like launch into fame, but he was a well-known pirate at the beginning of the two-year time skip. Blackbeard really wasn't a big name until Marineford. So that would mean, if this is true right here, Caribou set sail between the two-year time skip and got a big bounty in between that time. Not impossible, but, I mean, I find it more likely that this is just a play to get on Blackbeard's crew. And I can only imagine that his offering to make them accept that is going to be the information he has on ancient weapons and all that stuff. He has a ton of knowledge right now that no one else has so he's basically getting ready to sell that that is how the chapter ends this was a really good chapter a lot of stuff in here a lot of like i said a lot of agenda stuff a lot of just lore dumps a lot of information this was a solid chapter i'm excited to see where we're coming up next stepping on ahead to our anime talk i i'm caught up to frere up to the point where it's been released it's not completed as far as the new episodes are still coming out but I think I'm on what episode 22 is the most recent one. And let me tell you, this anime is fantastic. Like I, I went in with some expectations just because I saw the score and I got a little bit of information about it, but just watching it, entirely different story. Such good anime, great characters. I, I've been trying to figure out who I like more based on Stark and Fern. And I think I'm leaning a little bit more towards Stark. But I, I think I like them all. Like they're just enjoyable to watch. Stark has a crispy speed feet. And if you know anything about me and my anime tastes, the two things I love above all are speed feats and mini explosions. When I see any of that, that automatically bumps you as one of my, my top characters. And Stark ends up getting a, a crazy speed feat. He uses lightning slash and he like he cuts his enemy in one frame Ooh, crispy golden and in general i just like stark's character because he's he's got kind of like these mental blocks about how strong he is and how capable he is um but he's crazy strong and he just kind of needs to accept it more Fern is so stoic but she gets the job done every time like she's so so much of a, a competent mage which is interesting considering the two people that pretty much raised her are very not serious like they they're they're not like organized which is like Hyder and Freren but she still ended up as this completely organized just very set on one path stoic character who has her moments like every once in a while she'll have like a a pouty moment or like a happy moment which is, you know, we love that. But she's such like a, a straight, narrow character. And Farron's just OP. Like, because she's been around for over a thousand years, she's just so strong. And I really enjoy how they discuss 
because the, the anime is from her perspective in how things change over time because she's an elf. So where normal people have like a 80, 100 year lifespan, they're lucky. She's been alive for over a thousand years. So she's seen so much change. And one of the, one of the most interesting things is there, there was a, a demon who had basically crafted a, a style of killing magic that couldn't be stopped. It was like one shot, one hit, one kill, instant. And over time, they studied it and they learned ways to counter it. So when this demon comes back and he's using like his his magic, which is like, yeah, this is my kill match. You can't stop this. It's so outdated that they can just use normal spells to block it. And he's like, oh, okay, that's different. And like this this spell that was so widely feared and so like just offensively capable just becomes it's such a normal spell now like that's if you were to use like a casual attack that's what it is and and the series is filled with things like that where it's just showing how the passage of time is changing the world around Farron, and she doesn't exactly move with that passage because for her you know hundreds of years is months time just doesn't feel the same to her when she thinks about something she's like yeah i can chill here for like two three years that's not a lot of time like it it really doesn't matter to her at all and she's kind of getting used to dealing with people who are affected by the passage of time because stark and fern are both young they're like early 20s very early i think farron's probably i think over a thousand or something fern i think is like 20 stark i think is a little bit older than Fern, so maybe like 21, 22. That's what I'm guessing the age range is. I'm sure that they give us a, a better scale of it, and I just didn't capture it, but that's around the ages, I think. But yeah, Fern and Stark, they obviously care about their time and how it's spent. Whereas Freren's like, you guys can you guys can throw like five, six years at this. That's fine. And they're like, no, we can't. We we don't live that long. We don't have time for that. I, I really want to see where it ends up going. I think we got, I think Mal said that this is a 28 episode season. So six episodes left, something like that. I know the normal is generally like 24. I would be happy if it was 28. I want as much as we can get out of this. If you guys haven't started watching it, check it out. Really good. And as for the final topic, Final Fantasy. So I haven't really jumped deep into the Final Fantasy world. I played 13 some time ago, didn't really like it, and I saw that 16 and 7 were on sale, so I picked them up, I have them both on a PS5, and I, I started both of them because I wanted to see which one I would be more interested in just off rip, like off dribble if I play for a couple hours of each one, which one do I care about more? And seven by far has captured my attention more than 16 has and as far as i understand seven is supposed to be you know the final fantasy that is the the one that everyone's like if if you're talking about the greatest games you're talking about final fantasy seven and i can see it like i it it carries such a strong element of game like it's not a cinematic game you know it's not a last of us where i'm watching cutscenes of movies 
It's not just like a, a base element game. It's just a rounded out RPG game. It feels so good to play. And also Tifa's in it. If you don't know who Tifa Lockhart is, you're lying because you know who Tifa Lockhart is. Uh, the, the combat's fun. The story's fun. I like the... There's cutscenes and then there's like mini cutscenes. I really like the mini cutscenes because it kind of just... It has that era of older RPG to it. Like the characters are kind of just, you know, moving around, bounce around as they talk. They, they do cool hand signs and stuff. It's just really set aside to the idea of this is a game and i love it um i haven't gotten too deep into the story i think i'm only on like chapter four and i think there's over 10 chapters it's like i still got a lot to go but i'm really enjoying it so far like obviously i think tifa is going to be my favorite character um i like cloud didn't think i'd like him that much i like jesse there it's okay you know and the rest are also okay. I think as we go on, I'll see if I like them more. But for now, Tifa, Cloud, and Jesse are my favorites. On a slight side note, but still in gaming, I really want to bust open Persona 3. Like, I'm debating if I should do it while I'm playing Final Fantasy. Because I don't want to rush through Final Fantasy and, you know, get that experience out the way just for Persona. But I really want to play Persona. <laughs> So I'm going to see how that works. I'm probably just going to stick with Final Fantasy, but not rush it. And then we get on that persona. But that will be all for today. Let me know how you feel about the chapter. Let me know if you started Freren. If you haven't, please go start Freren. It's so good. And then tell me about your games. What you playing? I'll catch you all in the next one. Peace.